What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another podcast of No Regrets Marriage. I'm your host, Johnny Morton. And I'm Carla. And we're also joined by two other special guests, and they happen to be my son and daughter-in-law. Kemper, say hello. Hey there. Thanks for having us. Haley. Who's our daughter by marriage. (laughs) Hey, everyone. And we're excited to have them come and share with us on our podcast today. Kemper, quick question. How long have y'all been married now? This is a trick question. If you don't get it right, right, it's going to be in trouble. (laughs) I do know this one. I may not know questions later in the show, but I know this one. So we are coming up on our fourth year of marriage. It'll be four years in May. What's your anniversary? May 26th. Very good. Is that correct, Haley? (laughs) That is correct. Okay. Good. You'd be surprised how many probably would mess that up. But maybe after four years, they wouldn't do that. So we've invited Kemper and Haley to be a part of our podcast. One, just to give you a different perspective and uh, just to look at somebody who's, you know, as we've shared before, Carla and I have been married almost 10 times as long as Haley and Kemper. It'll be 40 years for us later this year. And so I guess you could say we are at different ends of the spectrum. And we want to get some, uh, just some encouragement and just a little bit about, hey, what have they learned in the four years and maybe what some of the biggest challenges are, some of the biggest surprises and what kind of advice might they give to somebody else that's just starting out in their marriage. So without any further ado, Kemper, um, what do you think would be the biggest thing about marriage that surprised you in the four years y'all have been together? Well, one of the things that surprised me most about Haley is probably how essential warm weather was going to be in our lives. (laughs) And I knew that it was a priority for her. We met living in Chicago, and she grew up in Wisconsin, went to medical school in Chicago, and we knew we were going to be matched to a new city right after we got married. And she only applied to warm weather locations. So that was Florida, Texas, a lot of California, and we landed in San Diego. But since we got married and lived there a few years, I've understood how much of an essential that is to our lives, that warm weather correlates to her happiness in life. And and that's great, but it was a bit of a surprise, I think, for me. All right. Um, Haley, your turn. What's been your biggest thing that's been one or two of the biggest surprises that you've had since you got married? I got to follow that up. Um, I would say for me, when we were dating, you know, we didn't see each other every day. And so when I had a story to share, or a tough day at work or at school, um, he was all ears and he wanted to, to hear and, and um, share in my frustration. But then, you know, once you live together and you come home from work every day and you have a stressful job and you have a story to share every day, um, it's hard to not make that person your bucket to just kind of dump everything onto. And so becoming aware that maybe he doesn't want to hear a new sad story or a new frustrating story every day and trying to, um, you know, pick and choose what I do share and then, you know, also look to support from my coworkers or from my friends who are in the same industry. Was he a better listener before you got married? Mm. Um, I guess it depends on what, if there's a sports game on TV or not. 
Oh. Oh. I'll, I'll tell you, my wife will tell you, Carl, I'll tell you real quick that it's been, like I said, almost 40 years and I'm still learning how to listen really well. Yes. And the problem is sometimes you don't like all the details that are in my stories. He wants like the bottom line. I'm like, no, no, the, the details are the stuff, right? No. So, no. you know, he, he wants me to just give me the bottom line and then I'll listen. I'm like, no, I don't believe that. You're going to cut me off once you know the end of the story. So, okay, so that's interesting that things that just were different once you're together all the time, right? Yeah, and what you said with details is important. I think another big surprise for me was how often and how necessary it is to communicate because when you're dating or when you're single you're going to maybe communicate the bare minimum hey i'm going out of town this weekend hey (laughs) let's get together this time this day but when we're married just need to communicate hey i'm going out for a bike ride and that that was important to her to know that where i am to know that maybe i'm not getting injured to know when to expect me back places and that's been a very difficult thing that I still don't do great at. We have a big calendar on a refrigerator and I'm getting better. I'll say I'm getting a little better, but That's I struggle true. at always communicating and being on the same page as far as all the details of my life with her. Do you think that's, um, do you think you see that more now in people marrying a little bit later than say a couple of decades back when people maybe married sooner, right out of college, they didn't have maybe as many years on their own as singles. Do you think that's a part of the dynamic or not? Yeah, I would, I would say that that's probably a big factor because if you're getting married a little bit later in life, later 20s, 30s, you've already developed your system and your way of doing things and how you manage your home and how you clean and how you keep your bathroom. Oh, yeah. How have you managed even some of those? I didn't thought about that. Just, the bathroom? Well, we got married. We were, we were pretty young. You were just 20. I was a baby. Yeah, you were a baby. I was she was, Carly 21. was 20, 20. She was just, yeah. She, we got married October 1st, and you turned 21 um, a couple weeks later. But in that, we hadn't really established a lot of yeah, no, living I've on really our not own lived and things. Yeah, so, so few of those things. Has that been one of the challenges that sort of you each brought in your own way of doing things into the marriage? Did you? How has that worked out? And figuring out how we're going to do this, how we're going to do that, even things like how we're going to grocery shop, how we're going to do this, who does the grocery shopping? What are some of the challenges of being in things like that? Yeah, I think some of those things were an adjustment. We don't still have a great system in place for grocery shopping and laundry and who's going to clean the kitchen and those things. Oh, We're pretty low maintenance, I guess I would say. We're pretty easygoing in that we pick up if the other person has maybe had a really tough time or a really hard week. I can kind of step in and um, know that I need to go grocery shopping. It will be nice if I do the laundry. I don't let the dishes pile up. So I think we did not have a great system in place necessarily, but some of the things that I probably learned just having roommates the few years before we got married, I think just having a balance of human responsibility of like sharing some of the the shared tasks in the house. Yeah, I would definitely say Kemper, though, does do more than probably the average husband. He's uh, a very 
he self-initiates a lot to do very a domestic lot of works yeah yeah domestic we'll say that oh. um so i am very fortunate in that factor um it's not something that i ask him to do or harp on at all um but also we have separate bathrooms which is huge that's a plus as a plus is that what we're saying I think, Haley, you always say to other people, the secret to a happy marriage is separate bathrooms. Separate bathrooms. (laughs) It's true. We've evolved into that. We didn't at first, but we have evolved into that. Yeah, and and it is one of those interesting little things that sometimes couples have to kind of figure out what may work for them, what may be helpful. Sometimes that's not an option, obviously, but sometimes a little individual space. But I also think one of the things you've described, I think, is uh, in, in today's culture, I think we we talked about before, if you go back into the early 60s, only 22% of women worked outside the home. Today, it's reverse. It's more than 80% of women do. And I think there's much more of a shared thing as far as responsibilities. responsibilities. And especially like, Kemper, you tend to work more from home as far as you can call it. So that just makes sense that maybe more of those responsibilities he can take up just because he's there more. Um, but I think it's a, it's a great picture of there's really not a right or wrong. It's the idea, hey, how do we figure out what works for our unique situation? And there may be a time in the future that that changes or flips in some ways. But the key, I think, and Kemper, you said, is just responding to each other what the need might happen to be. Um, you know, and I, I think whatever works for your relationship is the thing. With Carl and I, we are sort of, I guess, uh, guidelines and home rules. Whoever cooks, the other person does cleaning up the dishes afterwards. Uh, she complains that I make more of a mess when I cook than she does. I clean as I go. Um, and, you know, and then there's other responsibilities we just sort of share. And she normally do things, but if she's busy, she'll just say, hey, can you do these things? Can you vacuum? Can you mop the floor tonight? And I I think most people, if they talk about it, and again, I love what you said about communication, Kemper, is how important communication is. And going along that venue, I know one of the things we talked about is some of the challenges in marriage. And, you know, we're really big that all marriages have conflict. Um, The idea that, hey, really great marriages don't have any conflict, that's wrong. Every marriage has conflict. The key is how do you handle those how much do you think that some of the conflict that y'all have had since you got married are really based more towards communication and not communicating maybe as well? I'd probably say most problems stem from lack of communication. You know, whether it wasn't put on the calendar and then I had promised we'd meet up with two of our friends and then, you know, he promised somebody else that we'd meet up with them mm-hmm. or... Um, I didn't know that he was going for a bike ride this afternoon or something. Um, so I'd say probably most arguments or frustration comes from miscommunications or lack of communication. Yeah, I can second that. There were two episodes, I believe, in the first six months of our marriage where I thought I had communicated enough of the situation to her the first was I went and bought a new bike and we had talked about a rough budget for me to go buy a new bicycle, but they had a really nice one that it was a good deal. 
I could not get in touch with Haley, and I was a little concerned it may not be there. And so I spent several hundred more than we talked about uh, and came home with the bike. And she was just she real was, excited. She may still be holding that over my head a little bit. <laughs> and then the second was we had been looking at a little investment property. I had talked to her about it a little bit. And then all of a sudden one day I signed the papers, went through, the deal goes through. She gets a notification on her phone that a certain amount of dollars had been transferred out of her bank account. Oh. And it's, you know, we're buying a house. It's probably the largest amount of dollars that's ever left your bank account. And she, I believe, calls me or texts me just in a panic of, what did you do? Oh. I thought we were being robbed or something. I didn't know what happened. (laughs) Yeah, I can see where uh, the lack of communication there would... Spark something. Uh, Cause some some conflict. How have you learned? What have you learned? Are you, do you do anything particular now just to make sure that you communicate better? Yeah, particularly with money, we have a rule that if we're spending over $100, that we want to communicate it with the other person. We want to run by, and usually it's not an argument. We may say to the other person, do you really need that pair of headphones that's $500, do you really need a new phone? But most of the time, it's we want to make sure we're on the same page. If somebody's way out of line, I don't think we've had a situation where we've really had to just close down the the purchase. But that's one thing we do when it comes to uh, spending money. Did y'all, was that something you sort of agreed on, talked about and agreed on and the amount of money? Yeah, I'd say in the last like two years, maybe we came up with a $100 rule. Um, I don't know. Did that come from Financial Peace University or was that something else? It may have been a suggestion from, yeah, Financial Peace, Dave Ramsey's material, but it may have been a suggestion from you guys. I know that. Yeah, we got into trouble with, I got into trouble because I did not handle finances as well as I should. We did not well do that well early on. Yeah, we didn't do that didn't until that rule. after we'd had some real conflict over financial issues and primarily because <clears throat> I spent money that I hadn't told her I was going to spend. Yes, so that's a great rule. We encourage couples to do that. Whatever amount they want to make, I mean, say, but it's really probably kind of wise for the other person not to be surprised. And, and so that's and I a think great it, communication. You know, it depends on, hey, what is you and your partners, what is their comfort level? For some people, and it doesn't really where your monetary status is. Let's face it, if you're, you know, making a million a year, then, you know, your limit may be more. But I've known people that, even though they have tons of money that anything over, if someone's spending over a hundred dollars without them know about it, that makes them uncomfortable. And so you got to figure out what works for you there. And I think that's the key. And again, that's a, that's a communication issue. Um, what do you think that looking back, you've been married almost four years now. What would you say are some of the biggest lessons you've learned from marriage so far? I think one of the biggest lessons I've learned is the need to validate Haley's feelings, particularly related to work. And instead of just trying to solve the problem and interrupt and maybe play devil's advocate, that's what I do when I'm doing my worst listening job. But she's had a much more stressful 
uh, career through our marriage. She was in residency for medical school, and then she started a new job that's had some ups and downs. And, and my job's been a bit more steady. I've been at the same place for, for about eight years. And so for her to be able to come home and to share and just help me bear the burden of just some of the stresses of work has been really important, I think, in like emotional health of our marriage. And then sometimes I do a good job of that, but other times I try to just interrupt and don't let her really unload what she needs to unload. And, and that's been a big lesson where I just see the results. They're so much better. Our relationship is so much better when she's able to communicate and I allow her to. Yeah, but I would also say on the other side of that, kind of what I was alluding to before, um, also I've had to learn to not just see you as this like bucket that I can dump everything on because that will also wear you out if every day you expect me to come home and kind of have a new frustration to unload um, and recognizing that I need to be judicious about what I share and when I share it and how long I share it for, um, knowing that I can't I can't go on for long periods of time. Like maybe I can if I call my mom or a friend. We can talk a little bit longer, recognizing that you do have a limit as well. Um, but I think we've definitely grown a lot on both sides of that over the last year. Um, that's awesome. I mean, that's that's a really, I mean, the two things y'all shared, and we say this a lot of times, that men by just general nature, the way God wired them, are fix it fixers. And so they hear a problem and they go immediately into fix it mode. And sometimes we say, I say to women, if you just want to be heard and listened to, tell them. Sometimes that'll help kind of take the stress off. Like, okay, she does not want me to solve this. But also the fact of us realizing females that sometimes because we talk to process that sometimes that is a lot because if we're doing that, especially in a high kind of pressure job, that that may be a lot for our spouse to be the one we're doing that to every day. And so, man, those are both incredible insights, though, that y'all have gotten. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, you know, one of the things we will say, there's usually not in most marriages things that are just totally unique and nobody else has ever experienced them. I think for most of us, a lot of the issues in relationships are the same and that's all we can learn from each other. And, you know, one, you see there that difference between, Carla just alluded to, just a gender difference. Men and women communicate and listen differently. It doesn't excuse it those though for not listening and we've got to learn to listen well. You know, one of the key things with us is I'll even, either I'll ask her or she'll tell me, hey, I just need you to listen. We have to clarify what yeah, we do clarify. Well, I think about. that's important about communication because I don't know that you can be too clear. Correct, yeah. I think you run into problems more when you're not real clear and people make assumptions. And so I'll say, do you want me to fix something or is this just you just want somebody to listen to you? Because then that frees me up. Then I don't have to sit there and start thinking in my brain. I can get out of that fix-it box and move into my, okay, let's just listen kind of box here. Do you have a true listening box? we got lots of boxes. We've talked about those boxes before. Um, Question that one. Haley, what would you say? What's something that you've learned? Is there anything that you would add to Kemper, something different? That you would say, hey, this is something I've really learned in the past almost four years. 
That's okay. I'm going to come to you later. Well, the other aspect I would say about the listening and just validating her feelings for what she's going through is understanding the right time and place. Hmm. And you listen to our we both made mistakes with, with that where I may be right in the middle of oftentimes it is a sporting event or maybe it's the end of a TV show or I'm still working on the computer. And if Haley comes into that moment and she just starts to share about work, I'm not really in the right frame of mind to be able to help her, to, to be able to listen and to be able to help her process that well. And so she's not going to feel good about it. And I'm going to also feel like she's not respecting my time. But if she can say, hey, in five minutes when you're done, can I tell you about my day? I had something really frustrating that happened. I can shift gears and then give her more full attention that she deserves. And it'll help us process through that rough day. That's great. So some boundaries around that maybe by... By clarifying, I love what you said about I can shift gears. And so we talk about sometimes, especially for men, because women multitask better and they move in and out of their quote boxes in their brain and they're connecting. Well, I know, I mean, we should. But anyway, okay, so we just move in and out real quickly. And it is almost an energy piece for a man to move from focus on work, focus on sports, focus on whatever into another box, which for a lot of females, that concept we can't hardly get because it's like, what? You know, we're just trying to tell you about so-and-so. But you're kind of laying down that one and picking up the other. But to allow them the time to do it ultimately probably benefits us if we'll do it. All right. One final question. I know we asked you earlier. Who's your favorite mother? <laughs> There's only one, so it better I be you. I want to Kemper and answer that. You are. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, just Great. we wanted that on the air. That ought to mean a air. lot to you. <laughs> Here we go. I asked you beforehand, before we ever got on air, um, the idea of you wish that someone had told you some things that you didn't know ahead of time, and you said, no, you felt really pretty prepared. Tell us just a little bit. What did you do before you got married that helped prepare you for marriage? Well, we did the pre-engagement and premarital counseling what was it called prepare and rich prepare and rich and um i think a big point of discussion for us initially was how to manage finances and we had very different uh theories or philosophies on ways that we wanted to manage um school debt or loans and we go back and forth on it and ultimately I kind of just came to the conclusion that he has more understanding of this. He understands the process more. He seems to have more, um, like, a better plan for the future than my plan. And so I kind of relinquished the more of the financial decision-making to him. And that's um, been great for me because he kind of spearheads that and just keeps me updated and helps me. And I participate in decisions, but ultimately he's the one who's planning and, um, you know, outweighing different, different decisions over others. Cool. So y'all were unique in the sense that you did pre-engagement and then premarital stuff. So would you say there was a benefit to doing the pre-engagement? We tell couples sometime when you get that ring on your finger, it's hard to back off from that. So looking back, do you think that was really helpful before you made the decision to get married? I think so. I want to say that we did pre-engagement counseling probably about after we'd been dating six months. Mm. 
mm-hmm. six, seven wow, months. Wow, okay. And so I don't know if Haley would maybe say the same thing. She might hit me here. But I hear think it. that I did have an open mind. I, I tried to just be spiritually open to God maybe leading us or leading me to saying this isn't the right relationship. It is really hard because we, you're already talking about the wedding. You're already thinking about rings, dresses. We we only dated about a year before we got married. But I think that having an open mindset to, okay, let me let me have an open mind. If there's something glaring that's a major red flag that I just can't get over, let me be able to move past this relationship. Wow, Haley, do you do you sort of agree or not agree or? Yeah, I agree. Um, I thought it was a really useful weekend. We went through a lot of questions and topics and had some good discussions that came from it. And ultimately, through it, we got closer and we decided, yes, we do want to get married. And then um, six months later, he proposed about six months later. And then um, after that, we did the premarital counseling and more questions, more weekends, more in-depth discussions. And I think ultimately it set us up for a lot better in terms of our expectations about what marriage would look like after the wedding. Um, And it kind of took the focus off of the big day and making it all about the wedding. Instead, it was more about the marriage. Wow. That's awesome. That's a great, that that would be a great spot. That's a great line. Yeah. Yeah. We do preparing rich and simbus and both of them are really good premarital preps uh, preparation tools yeah and uh you know statistically you know 30 percent of couples who do some type of premarital engagement they have a 30 percent lower divorce rate than average so that's a great thing right there just because they're prepared but just that whole idea of that you weren't just, um, I guess, you know, you know, didn't just hit you blindside some of the challenges you've dealt with in marriage. And I think the other thing I heard you that I really commend you both for is that idea of, hey, even though we may both have different ideas, oftentimes one partner is just stronger in some areas. And it makes sense, hey, let them operate in their strengths. You know, I think one of the most incredible things that God does is he takes two unique individuals and he brings them together to mold them into one. And you're not exactly the same. You're not the same person, man, but you complement each other. And so what you want to look at is, hey, my strengths and my weakness are this, yours are this. How do we put them together to make the both of us something so much better than we ever could be by ourselves? So I think that is, man, just, just what a great testimony and what a great encouragement. If you're out there and you're, you're thinking and you've heard this and you're thinking about getting married maybe and you're engaged, you're thinking about getting engaged, but I hope you'll really hear that and understand, man, how important it is. You know, we put a lot of preparation into the wedding itself. And if you're doing that, you know how crazy that is. But doesn't it make sense to put just as much or maybe even more preparation into what you hope is going to be a lifetime relationship than just the preparation for the one day that you get married. Uh, any last thoughts? Here's your chance. Last words you can speak at all about this. They're, 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 they're nodding speechless. their heads. They're, they're talked speechless. out here. That's it. Yeah, try to keep it short and sweet. 
Uh, I would just like to say that I'm grateful to both Carla and Johnny for raising Kemper, who is an absolutely incredible husband. And I credit a lot of the success of our marriage to the two of you. So thank you both for raising him. Thank Aww. you. We did not pay them for that. No, either. we did that not. Was... We did not. But that was precious. Thank you. We've loved having y'all. And it is. It has been one of our greatest joys to see our son get married and, and the bride that he chose. And, you know, I'd always wanted a daughter, and so I could not ask for a better one. And so we do. We're so grateful for that. But more than that, we're just thankful that the key thing is that what binds them together is their relationship with God. It is the one thing that Christian marriages have that no other marriages outside of that can experience. And that's that third cord that binds around the two of them. And that's the presence of God in their relationship. And that's the key to having the kind of marriage I think that people really want to have. So we thank you again. We know your time is valuable and this has been a little longer session in that, but I hope it was worth it to hear from Kemper and Haley and not just having to listen to Carla and I. And so we're just so grateful that you spent your time with us. And as always, we just want to say bye. Goodbye. I want to say goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks. <laughs> bye. And we encourage you to just keep on forging. <laughs>